Are you reading and hearing all sorts of conflicting information about AI, artificial intelligence, and wondering what impact that might have on you? Well, welcome to AI for Creatives, a podcast by creatives for creatives, connecting you to the world of AI, Web3, blockchain, and beyond. Join our hosts, Camila Sanders and Nova Lorraine, as we explore new ways AI empowers creatives and highlight leading industry innovators utilizing amazing new tools to pave the way for our future. Get inspired and educated by fellow creatives revolutionizing the industry and exemplifying new ways to gain creative independence and sovereignty. We aim to preserve humanity in this fast evolving digital world and creatives are a powerful force to do that. Be a part of the conversation as we take the reins of AI and shape a positive narrative for our future. Welcome to AI for Creatives, where we discuss the intersection of AI, innovation, creativity, and humanity. I am your host, Nova Lorraine, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Camila Sanders. Yes. And so today we're talking about AI and jobs. There's so much chatter and articles that are coming out around what will be lost, who is safe? What are the opportunities coming down the pike? So really, really excited to talk about this topic because we also will be sharing how it impacts creatives like you and I. But before we dive into that, let's just do a quick roundup of what we've been up to. I'll have you start. Sure. So I have, and I'm not saying that I do a great job all the time, but I have been up to intentionally creating space. Mm, (laughs) What I mean by that, what I mean by that is it seems like at times you're working on so many different things and you're pulled in so many different directions as an entrepreneur, as someone that it's like really dedicated to making an impact and um, just feeding into people and having kids and just everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I have been doing the most wonderful thing. I have been taking time to kayak. Oh wow! And like canoe and camp and wow. just have moments with nature and just sitting in nature, sitting on the water. So like I'm almost like addicted now. If anyone asks me if I want to go do this, I'm like, yes, I got to go. I'm going to make time to do this and just create that space where I can just think. Mm. Even if it's during the day when I'm at home, can I get outside and can I just create some space where I can, you know, let my mind go and think and not be pulled in all these different directions. I love that. So that's what I've been up to, intentionally creating space. How about you, Nova? That's amazing. And so it's interesting because I sort of made this call out to create more, I, I guess, space, but more as it, relate, as it relates to time. I think I, I think I said leisure time um, is what I'm labeling it but more time to play with new techniques and art to be able to drape more um, in terms of my fashion, to explore acting more, singing more, my writing, fictional writing, not just nonfiction. So just creating more space or time. It, it takes creative like mind space, but then also 
actual time to allow myself in those zones. And it was inspired by this trip, this meeting that I had. It, it was a trip to Sioux, France. And I was in Paris for the proof of talk. I had a panel that I had to speak on, but I was also hosting one of the stages as MC. And after the second day of the conference, I had gone with a, a new colleague uh, that I was introduced to, and we went to the countryside. And it was incredible because we were on this property that's now a public park, but it was owned by a duchess at one point, And there was so much expansive space, like just green grass as far as you can see, beautiful mature trees and forests, fountains. There was a lake and it was Zen. It was so, so, so nice to have that little break. And it really made me want to crave more of those moments. So I love that you shared that and also kind of reminded me about this little call to the universe that I made to uh, to find more time to do things like that. So that sounds pretty awesome. I don't think I've ever kayaked. And uh, as you were describing, I was like, oh, that sounds like so much fun. So, so much fun. So I think this is really valuable and applicable to our conversation today. And even just this podcast, because we're talking about a technology that can be very fearful. You know, a, a lot of people are afraid of it. And we have discussed some of the positives of artificial intelligence. And one of the things that we were or are more excited about is having AI give us back more time. And I think that's something that is really in alignment with what we were sharing personally in terms of what we were up to. And is that enough to calm the fears that so many people have around this technology and and it's been around for a while. I mean, Google, Netflix, I'm, you know, <laughs> it's been around for a while. Siri, Alexa, but generative AI has really caused a stir because now the average person can log on to a dashboard on ChatGPT or one of its many variants or a dolly to create art and and of course we have applications to create music and animation. And of course, I guess animations will fall under video. I say video, uh, art, you know, like by Dolly and the journey. So let's dive into it in terms of jobs, AI and jobs, and what's going to be lost, what's going to be created. Is this something we should even be paying so much attention to? Like, what do the numbers say? What do you, what do you got? Well, no, I I love it that you kind of went into that because I think it's it's really interesting how AI is going to affect the creative industry. And like you said, it's something that has been going on for a really long time. And so, you know, we of course as podcasters, we did some research and some of the different stats that we found. So it's interesting. Goldman Sachs says that generative AI has a potential to automate 26% of work tasks in art, design, entertainment, media, and sports sectors. So to me, this is interesting because it's really automating some tasks doesn't say that it's going to be completely taking away these types of jobs. Mm. 
So that article from what I remembered was published by the world, or at least that stat was published by an article shared by the World Economic Forum on industries that will be facing automation and the percentage of the industry. And I think when some look at automation, um, they see it as equaling jobs being taken away. So if we're looking at it from that perspective, we're saying perspective, and we're saying that over 25% of the creative that which would include entertainment, design, media, arts, and sports will be automated, potentially impacted if we're looking at that as an equivalent to jobs. And so I think that's something that is, and that's a considerable amount. I think when we're talking about creative jobs, and I think I wasn't the only one surprised that it was going to impact these industries so quickly. I think when we were thinking about AI years ago, we were thinking about you know, manufacturing and the factories and robots replacing individuals on the the assembly line and stocking shelves and things like that. But, you know, with generative AI, we've seen art be impacted. We've seen music being created. We've seen avatars, even in the immersive environments like Web3 and the metaverse, you know, avatars being created and animated we're seeing short films being produced and distributed. So there's all these things so quickly. And I think that's what's taking so many of us by storm. And that's why people are like, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so when we look at some other industries that are going to be exposed to automation and AI, through AI, we have the administrative industry. We have legal, which is really fascinating and I think, and actually not I think, I know that we touched on legal in an earlier episode on where that can go great and very wrong. Engineering, you know, being an area that architecture and engineering, we're looking at 37%. uh, Going back to legal, 44% of that industry being impacted. Customer service and administrative, 46% right now being at the highest in terms of the share of that industry according to this, the data that Goldman Sachs has shared. And 26%, design, entertainment, media, arts, sports, that's a big chunk. You know, how are individuals going to deal with that? And what what does that mean in terms of within those industries, which of those job titles will more than likely be replaced? But I do want to touch on some additional stats Just last month alone, according to CBS News, 4,000 jobs were lost. And when I say last month, and depending on where you're, when you listen to this episode, this is May that I'm talking about, May 2023, 4,000 jobs are lost by, or lost to AI, according to CBS News. We also, correct me, or I'm not sure, um, I know Camilla, we were talking about this earlier in terms of which resources these numbers came from. If you could share that, please do. But there's a project a prediction that 85 million jobs will be lost by 2025. 85 million. We're in 2023, halfway through. So that's 18 months. That's 85 million people. Like, what are they going to do? But Camilla, you have a, a bright side to that. Do you want to share? 
yes, these jobs will be be lost. But I think it's it's certain types of jobs. And then there's a number of jobs that will be created. So for example, when when you mentioned like customer service and office support, well, there's larger companies and you know when you go and you try to call customer service or you talk to a chatbot, these chatbots, since they're using AI, they can kind of be that first level of customer service to answer basic questions and assist you and do it in a way that is somewhat human and somewhat intelligent, right? And then you may have to go to the next level support. I think for smaller organizations, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business, it's it's only going to uh, allow for a certain level of support and you're still going to have to have that human touch to interact with people. So I think in these large industries, yeah, that probably is kind of like those lower level things that can be automated. Like, you, like we mentioned, manufacturing, the robotic technology is getting more and more advanced every day. Everyone talks about, you know, transportation, right? So you have your Uber drivers and we're talking about automated uh, driving. We're talking about, you know, how you order Uber Eats or something like that. Well, now we'll have drones that deliver our food, like things, things like that, that might happen. But, you know, the bright side is that these are creating jobs. AI is creating jobs too. So for example, if you deliver food right now, well, maybe you could get a drone company to deliver the food and just manage the drones from your house (laughs) and and not not have to do anything and make money. So... (laughs) Well, that so, that part I didn't think of, but you're absolutely right with that. And you have entrepreneurs behind these new AI startups that you know that's using the technology to automate these different tasks. So, absolutely right. So, so you'll want to think of ideals like that. Like, yeah, maybe AI is going into these industries, but what can you use it to free up your time and also probably make some money, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's definitely a ton of positions that AI cannot replace or not fully replace, right? So some of those are going to be those high touch positions that well, before we get into some oh, of yeah. those positions, I just wanted to share really quickly just to set the stage. So it's not all gloom and doom, right? We mentioned the 4,000 that were lost in May. We mentioned 26% of the creative industries will, you know, tasks will be automated. And it's not just the creative industries. You know, we touched on some others like administrative and engineering and architecture and legal and it, and the list goes on and on. But on the brighter side, according to the same report that put out 85 million will be lost by 2025 in terms of jobs. And this was the World Economic Forum. Uh, I couldn't remember when I was saying it earlier, but that's who put the report out. 97 million will be created in the same time frame. 97 million. And when you think about that, for me, the next question is, well, what are those jobs going to be? And we're going to touch on some of those, but that's more than what's going to be lost. And, you know, if I'm going to use an example, staying in the creative lane, there was a big fear about photographers. A lot of 
photographers going out of business due to the digital photography um, industry growing and the tools changing and oh my gosh, what's going to happen to photography? There's cameras on your phones. They're going to put all these photographers on a business. And there are actually more photographers now. A lot of self-proclaimed photographers, thanks to iPhone and <laughs> Androids um, and all the other phones in the world. But the industry actually grew with these new tools being brought into the space. So I just wanted to not leave leave off with the gloom and doom with all oh, this is lost. Oh no, where are we going to be? And what, what does that mean? So there's definitely a bright side to this. And I think also it's good to, for awareness, to discuss what jobs are most likely going to be replaced. What would, where would you like to start with that, Camila? The jobs that are going to be replaced. Yeah. And I can jump in because I have I have my little list. <laughs> my, my little list. Yeah. I think it's um it's kind of, you know, what I've been saying is that the things that can actually be automated, right? That mm-hmm. don't need that personal touch. So we mentioned mm-hmm. customer service, we mentioned manufacturing, transportation, so uh data entry, you know, that can be automated. I used to have a data entry job. I'm okay with that being automated Mm -hmm. Um, and data analysis too. So there's always, and I'm thinking of entrepreneurs or smaller organizations, there's always all of this data that you can get. And then people want to be able to take that data and make sense of it. And so there is this um, position where you do a lot of research, you get a lot of data, and then you make it make sense and turn it into pretty graphs to -hmm. communicate with other people, right? That's part of what I've done, but it does take a lot of time. It takes a lot of analysis. And so if you can have AI look at that data, make sense of it, and then you as a human kind of go back and start to apply that and communicate that, it it's a time saver. Um, you know, we've definitely talked about retail in the past. We've done a whole mm-hmm. episodes on how that's going to Im- impact retail and then mm-hmm. financial services. So that's right. that is also data analysis, but also fraud detection. I'm a little uh, leery about this too, because when it comes to banking, when it comes to um, insurance and analysis and giving people loans and things like that, that has always been an issue of equity. Mm-hmm. And so if that's automated, then what does that mean? Yeah. Is that automated based on past data? Is that right. automated? Right. You know, so so mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. it's there's so many different things that affect us economically. Yeah. That I don't think all the data in the world is going to make AI come up with a great decision because there's all different things like racism or, you know. Yeah. When you're looking at fraud, I think it's a really, it's a very sensitive area to make sure there's a diverse group of people at the table creating and, and creating the algorithm or inputting the data that's being used to feed the machine. So we do not feed the machine with biases and analytical past past analytics that were based on racist decisions and that could be for any race and so and or stereotypical you know decisions and so that's definitely something that's important to note that these 
programs are being created by humans and humans have biases and it's something ethics and security and safety for our well-being for humanity is something that should continue to be at the forefront of conversations. And just to add to some of those roles that you were sharing on the data entry and customer service, what I also have on my list are entry-level admin roles, so software engineers and coders, which was surprising to me. You know, this was something that we saw starting to happen in the last few months, and we're Gen AI can do basic coding, so it continues to learn. The more it's used, we'll see where that goes. And paralegals, we mentioned the legal industry, copywriters and content roles, graphic designers, bankers and accountants, traders, fact checkers, and proofreaders. And so, again, on the fact checking side, it's also going to depend on the programmers and you know the any biases that may have been put in. Because nowadays when you go online, you're, you could find three arguments for and three arguments against <laughs> for the same conversation. So, so true. <laughs> that would be, that's going to be interesting. But these are some specific titles that you can attach to industries that may be impacted. That's very likely going to be impacted. So we've, we've talked about job loss. We've talked about impact. We've talked about some more recent stats for last month, even let's move into some more positive data and information and outlook and insights. And we started off by sharing 97 million jobs are going to be created. And you and I use, you know, these tools beyond some of the tools that most people have been using um, Adobe and Photoshop and our search engines Alexa, Siri. So beyond some of these tools that have been in place for a while, and then of course, so many companies have implemented AI in their supply chain management and workflow processes. So beyond AI that, and work to your oh, speaking of Alexa, <laughs> it's like, uh, wait, wait, <laughs> what, what did she say? Because <laughs> she, I think AI wants to be a guest on the podcast. <laughs> Clearly. She's like, I hear you talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clearly listening to my conversation. But anyway, going into some more positive insight and data around AI and around jobs, we have some 97 million jobs that are going to be created by 2025. Let's look at what that is, what those are going to be and dive deeper into a brighter future around AI. Yeah. And I, I do want to kind of before we deep go deeper into like what jobs are going to be created, I also want to talk about what jobs aren't necessarily going to be affected, right? Mm, because we talked a point. lot about the um, more automated uh, tasks that you can kind of automate, you know, the more entry level basic kind of jobs. But what can AI not replace, right? Um, what are the different jobs that you may be, you know, okay, right? <laughs> with a, mm, even point. even mm -hmm. with AI, right? And I think that some of those are going to be jobs that it takes out of the box thinking. It takes mm. human interaction to really make this job work. So jobs that are like 
you know, in healthcare, like doctors and nurses, things that require empathy, <laughs> mm. right? And things that, you know, you can't explain how the human touch affects or just hearing someone's voice affects how you come out, what your outcome is, right? And so I think there's certain positions in healthcare, of course, creative positions, because AI can really only take the data that it has from the past. It can only predict from the past. And so, but it can't necessarily think outside of the box and think from its different values and perspective and live life and, you know, empathy or experiences, right? So it's going to be, you know, musicians, artists, designers, uh, people that are creative that can't necessarily be replaced by AI. Maybe AI will assist. And then there's going to be certain leadership positions because even though um, with on the executive level, a lot of things can be automated and tasks can be automated, but a lot of working in an organization is about managing humans, right? And mm. <laughs> maybe you had maybe see. you've had managers before that seem like they have no empathy, but when you have a really good, you know, person that's leading your organization, they may make decisions that are not necessarily logical, but it's the best decision. It's the most most empathetic decision that might happen for an employee. So I think those certain things when you're talking about leadership roles and those complex decision-making. I think those are different things. Also teaching and education, you know, that requires that. So that's interesting. So, and just to jump in. So few of these roles that you mentioned that will not be impacted. I also feel that they will be impacted, but I think when we're talking about healthcare, I think it's that first line So the doctors that are super specialized, Mm -hmm. surgeons, these roles, nurses, triage nurses, maybe, but not the nurses that are attending to the patients in ICU or uh, just on your regular hospital floors in in room care, right? As you mentioned, anything that needs that hands-on touch and or empathy um, from the human. So that's interesting. But then on the flip side, when you have a tool like a chat GPT integrated in the healthcare system. And now you can say, oh, what's the best diagnosis if I have this, 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 or what sort of um, medicines should I use for this, 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 this ailment? So you're going to have, based on past data, the AI being able to be that first line of communication with individuals that are looking to get questions answered quickly around basic health needs. But when you're talking about, let's say, chemotherapy treatment, that's not going to be administered by AI. And then on the teaching side, we're already seeing a disruption in education around tutoring, around composition, you know, writing and coding. You know, again, how far is AI going to disrupt education? And will you have basic teaching skills be automated as well? And is it only the, you know, college level courses or grad level courses that are still taught by humans. If we're forecasting out five years from now, seven years from now, eight years, nine, 10 years from now. So some of these things I feel immediately are safe, but then it's, again, if we're looking at 
production being more efficient and we have automation you know reducing costs as well so you have a you have a savings cost you have a time cost and you're getting information that's going to continue to get more accurate because we know there's a lot of inaccuracies at the moment but as the machine learning gets better and better again how far does that line go but i think that if you are in those roles then it's looking at okay this aspect of my role cannot be automated and i'm going to you know maybe beef up these skills or i'm going to use these tools so i can spend more time doing these other more intricate you know tasks than some of the more mundane, boring tasks. You mentioned earlier that you did data entry at one point. I remember one of my first intern jobs having to file. And can I tell you that is the most <laughs> painful? Well, you know, no one, I don't know how many people are filing manually anymore, but taking a piece of paper, putting it in a manila folder, opening up the drawer, finding the alphabetical file tab and placing it in. I mean, really? Like what? <laughs> so I'm glad that those jobs are gone or will continue to get automated because we could do so much more with our brains. So I, I think it's, you know, looking at your job and your industry, being aware, okay, here, here are the industries, here is the prediction of what percentage will be impacted. What is it that I do? And how could I see machine learning impacting what I do? And maybe what you do, it won't impact it at all. And that's great. I mean, Right now, we have our trash company that comes every week to pick up our trash. Will that in three to five years be done by a robot that's coming and picking up? Who knows? But I think there are going to be some tasks like plumbing and you know your jobs are done by electricians that are going to still need for a long time these humans to come in and fix these problems. So I think that's super, super important to and to just be aware and that way you can adjust your job, your lifestyle, where you live to be ready for what's coming. I think in terms of companies that are hiring for AI roles, I think it's important for us to say, to share some examples. So it's not just stats that we're hearing and predictions that we're hearing, but to see in real time, well, who's hiring and who are they hiring? What are these roles they're hiring for? And I'm curious about this as well. So we've done some research. Do you want to share some companies and the roles that they're hiring for, Camilla? Do you want me to jump and share? Yeah. So I think it's interesting that you said about a robot picking up your trash because they actually have that. (laughs) So some places, instead of someone, so someone's driving the truck still, but in some places, they are just, it's just extending an arm, picking up the trash and dumping mm. it into the truck. So oh, that's yeah. already happening yeah. now. That's true. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that's that's the advance of, you know, robotics. And so that's happening. But imagine when we start to get AI and automated driving, right? To detect, oh, this is a trash can. Let me pick it up. And they just go through and you don't need that. So yeah, absolutely. Think of when it comes to things like entrepreneurship and research and development, those are positions that really require the touch of human creativity and innovation and really being an inventor and creating something totally that has not been created before. So 
having those tasks being automated and then going in and actually being able to use your brain for more creative things. Right. I think that's where it's really going to excel. So we talked about, you know, some of the, or we're going to talk about some of the places that are actually hiring and what are some of the jobs that they're hiring for. So AI has long been within a lot of large corporations. So for example, Nike, Wells Fargo. I know when I worked with Snyder Electric, they were doing projects in AI and machine learning. Um, Amazon, Apple, like most of your larger companies are hiring for AI positions. And some of those positions might be like a data scientist, machine learning engineer, of course, uh, you know, uh, AI engineer, research science. So we mentioned like um, research and development, uh, content strategists. So you're seeing a lot of people or jobs that are being created to come up with these prompts for for the chatbots or prompts or things for the chat GPT to create content for social. So do any other jobs that are on your radar that companies are hiring for? I think you covered a good amount on Spotify. You know, that's also um, one that I have on my list as well. And, you know, when you were thinking, well, what kind of jobs, you know, and you had mentioned scientists, researchers, analysts. Well, I want to know how much are they getting paid? <laughs> so well, let's. It's tech. <laughs> so, yes. let's, let's just get into some of those numbers. And um, I also think that there's a need for, we have our current roles and titles that some of the big companies are hiring for, as you mentioned, the Wells Fargo's and Amazon's and Nike's of the world. And then there are roles that we can't even predict um, that they don't exist right now. And we've seen new roles come up like prompt engineer, right? That last year, this time, that wasn't a thing. And so you're getting paid up to $375,000 if you're a really, really good prompt engineer. So some other titles, job titles that I've come across include big data analysts and the range right now um, is about 133,000. Anyone in UX and design and development, you're looking at about 80,000. And these are not necessarily the top experts in these areas. These are your starting ranges. And researchers at about 5560, software engineers, just under 100, AI engineers, in the low 100s, your big data engineers in the mid 100s, robotic engineers, again, six figures, computer vision engineer. Like, wait, what? That wasn't around when <laughs> a few, few years ago. Um, so these are some AI jobs right now being advertised for, and a good majority of them are in the six figure range, actually. So that's really interesting. And then, of course, you're going to have new roles there that are going to continue to be added and implemented as this space grows. And what I also think is exciting is that as an individual, you can decide, do I want to be an employee? Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want to be a consultant? Do I want to be an artist and work independently and partner with companies like Nike and offer my creative vision 
to their team that's using AI. Whereas an entrepreneur, maybe I want to create a platform or an app or a tech company that's incorporating some of these tools. Or maybe as an employee, I want to add ChatGPT to my skill set. I want to add Dolly to my skill set. And now I'm a prompt engineer within the company's infrastructure. And or maybe I want to do, um, maybe I just continue to do my own research and I attend conferences or webinars and seminars and keep up on the latest information. And now I'm the in-house advocate or ambassador or educational leader within the organization. So there's so many things that may not exist now in terms of traditional roles or titles that based on your background, based on your experience and your gifts and talents, you can combine that with either the knowledge of these emerging tools or the skill sets that you're building because you're using the tools and you're creating something new. And you are now, you know, someone that has added value within this digital age where there's probably more jobs than those that can fill it at this moment in time. So being early, being aware, see what's coming. You can position yourself to be a part of this movement forward, or I think it's also fair to say, or not. And that's okay too, because that's going to allow you to stand out in your space, depending on what industry you're in. If you are in let's say the wood making and not wood making wood carving industry <laughs> to make furniture or sculptures from wood or your carpenter. And you can either as an artisan stay very relevant because more and more people will be looking for handmade goods and, or as a carpenter, guess what? Right now it's not automated. People are still putting up and hammering, um, you know, building homes with frames and using humans to do that. And, or, needed inside homes for little tasks and jobs that you're not going to necessarily have a robot for anytime soon. So I think there's room for everyone. I think the key is just being aware, but I think it is really interesting to see what the titles are, some of these more traditional titles and what they're paying to give individuals a better sense of what's real and happening right now. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you say that because I can remember uh, people saying over and over again, and this is years and years before everyone was talking about AIs, that the half the jobs that you're going to school for won't even exist mm. in the future. And mm. so I just remember people saying that, but it's so true. So I think the key is, is that solve a problem, like think about a problem and think about what's a creative way that I can solve this problem, how can I solve it with the technology that's out now? How can I solve it with technology that might be there for in the future? Like mm-hmm. think about it that way and really lean into the things that you're passionate about, that you're curious about, because these jobs are being created as we go, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and like you mentioned, like it could lead to entrepreneurship. It could lead to working for someone, but it's really about that creativity and that innovation that you have when you're looking to solve a problem. I love, love, love that you said that start with the problem. And that was something that I shared this morning in a consulting call and I shared yesterday with the university and an exploratory call is when you're looking at these tools and you're making a decision on 
which of them should I use? And I'm going to speak more broadly in terms of Web3. You know, are you going to go really deep in on AR and XR or 3D immersive environments using Unreal Engine or Unity? Or maybe AI is your lane? Or is it blockchain? Are you in the finance space? Are you in the creative space? Are you in the art space? And then, you know, start with that problem. What is the value you're bringing? What is the problem you're solving? And which of those tools or combination of is going to give the most impact? So I love that you shared that. And you can apply that to yourself in terms of, well, what problem am I solving today within my organization or for my organization, the one I created or the one I'm working for? And how can these tools or a combination of assist me in solving the problem faster or cheaper or better, creating more impact, telling better stories, you know, and more sustainably, you know, what can I, what can I use to be more sustainable within my job or role? And so I think that's exciting if we look at the problem solving angle more intensely. And I think it's also a great transition into, well, what does this mean for creatives? You know, this is AI for creatives. What is, what is the future for creatives? And we touched on it in the very beginning as it relates to how much of the industry will be impacted. And we know slightly over 25% in terms of automation, but we also know there's going to be well more, way more jobs created than lost. And so how does that boil down to the artist, the designer, the music maker, the filmmaker, that's the writer that's already being impacted by AI. And so I think that if we look at areas of consulting where you as the artist can now add value with your perspective and your knowledge and years of expertise to the companies that are automating within your industry. Or as I mentioned with the wood, the wood carving or carpenter example, being that artisan, um, Camille and I, you remember we were sharing earlier around the example with shoemakers, right? Shoemakers wanted a faster way, better way to make shoes. And so a machine was created to do that. But the shoemakers didn't realize the machine was going to do it so well that that we didn't need that number of shoemakers anymore. And so what do you do as a shoemaker now that this machine is here? You could ignore it. You can learn how to use the machine. You can create more machines that are better. Or you can advise companies that are now using these machines. And or you could choose to make only handmade shoes. And for those customers that are looking for handmade shoes. And we're in that same position as it relates to technology and creatives is choosing to partner with the tools or becoming the entrepreneur, becoming that guide, that creative director, the chief editor, and or the consultant. So I think the future is still very, very bright for creatives, especially when we think of the barrier of entry that has been lowered or the obstacles around financing or funding a project, thanks to AI, has been lowered. You know, thanks to connectivity tools, we can connect with creators from around the world and come together and collaborate and co-create in a more cost-effective and more efficient way to bring our works and our stories to our communities more quickly and without depending on VC money all the time or angel money all the time. And so that will give so many more people opportunities to bring their dreams to life. So I think there's a really, really bright side to this. If we keep in mind the ethics, and you had touched on this earlier around biases, around fraud detection as one example of how AI can go wrong. But if we keep in mind ethics, safety, security, as we're building and as we're moving forward. 
like, I think the key is like being able to break down barriers to tell your story, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you think of the creative process and people that want to get into the creative industry, and I know before we talked about like the iPhone, well, everyone has this 4K camera Mm -hmm. in their pocket. And with AI, they can start to be assisted with some of the different aspects of producing a film. That's right. And be able to tell their story and doing editing and special effects Mm. in a way that they didn't necessarily have access or knowledge to do before. That's right. And we even talked about uh, a little bit about marketing and a lot of people are like, well, I have all this data. I don't know what to do with it. You know, as far as like predicting or looking at who is your audience and how to communicate with them and things like that. So if it can help people that are creatives, like we said, tell their story and communicate to their audience and communicate to people in a more global way that we're breaking down barriers, you know, that's, that's amazing. (laughs) Um, So I definitely think it, it definitely works hand in hand with creatives and the creative process. Yeah, so we're ending on a positive note. <laughs> That's exactly. what we wanted to do. Yes. And, you know, every episode we do touch on ethics and, and how does this impact humanity? And I feel more creatives using a tool is going to have a more positive impact, you know, than not. So that's also super important. How do we keep it positive? By having more creatives put their hands on the tools, guide the tools, create the ethics around the tools, have a voice. And so we're not replaced, we're enhanced and in the way that we feel most comfortable. So I hope, I hope our listeners, you enjoyed this episode. I think it was a very important conversation. Um, It's something that, you know, affects our livelihood and, you know, what does it mean in terms of the money we're making or, or where we're working? Is it our jobs going to be around in six months, 18 months, six years? And if not, how do I prepare as an individual? And if so, how do I prepare as an individual? (laughs) And so I think awareness is still super, super important to make those right decisions. So that's it for AI for Creatives. And as you know, it's exclusively brought to you by the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. Camille and I are really passionate about access. And so we take the time to bring you this information each and every episode and we appreciate you sitting with us and listening each and every episode Um, please pass it on to a friend if you feel that you've gotten value please leave us a five-star rating and if you haven't already subscribed so you do not miss out on any future episodes again thank you i am your host noble rain and i'm here with my lovely co-host camila sanders and until next time this is ai for creatives brought to you by the pink kangaroo podcast network Ciao. Bye.